0: Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, returning to his fashion form, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, executive producer, in fact, Cameron McCoy. Cameron, I couldn't help but notice it's almost May, and you're still rocking that cardigan. What's going on there, buddy? It's it's
1: been chilly. We got a lot of wind going on, and uh, those temperatures just aren't getting above the 50s like like I need, you know?
0: Yeah, I... I'm of the opinion that you'll take any excuse to wear (laughs) a cardigan. Oh, layers all the way, man. All the time. (laughs) You're like, whoops, accidentally set the thermostat to 68 degrees. Looks like it's a cardigan day. Looks like Uh, I'm drinking
1: some tea and wearing the cardigan.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, we just need to get you a bubble pipe, and then you're (laughs) going to be set. Um, Cameron, you know, we were just talking. We're kind of going back to old school Spike Feed episodes here because... We literally just have more of the meta to talk about today. Right. Mm-hmm. There is just not that much new in terms of news, and that's cool, right? Because yeah. we've kind of reached a level with Watsy that no news is in fact great news. Um <laughs> so I I wanna hear from you, man. Like let's talk. Uh what have you been up to playing wise?
1: Yeah, um I so I played a little bit of standard and I, uh, It's weird how little is actually making, like how little of March of the Machines is actually making an impact to standard. And it really bums me out because there's some like really good cards that I would love to see. Um, The one thing that is happening though is I've been playing the Mono White deck and trying two things that I've seen some list running Uh, the new sword of Once in the Future and. Invasion of Gobicon, uh, Both of those put into the mono-white like aggro deck that I'm doing, and um, they're, they're good. Uh, the, I mean, swords are kind of swords. I mean, I, I, mean, I know all swords are not created equal, mm. but um, when you have a certain type of archetype, I feel like sometimes if it's Feast and Famine, Light and Shadow, Once in Future, uh, these are cards that uh, just jive really well with, like, the low-to-the-ground aggro matchups, especially when you're playing mono-white. So that one has been really good. The Invasion of Gobakan, like, I didn't realize, like, how good that card is, but it, it's it's really good. Like, I, I love it. I love that you're just able to exile, slow down your opponent just a little bit. Um, and I find that this to be just... a Slightly better version of um, Wedding Announcement. and Or maybe not. I don't know. I I just like this card more than Wedding Announcement. How about that? (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Probably because it's new and different. That's fair. Um, So anyway, but um, I'm still seeing a lot of Grixis, still seeing a lot of Esper Legends, um, and I'm not seeing a lot of um, new tools being put into those decks just because I feel like, especially Grixis, it's just so refined it's such a pure version of what it's doing that you're not swapping out you know four cards for what is essentially still really really solid um anyway there's that and then just like a lot of march the machines draft like an unhealthy amount this week
0: did it click with Um, you did it
1: finally kind of back and forth when it clicks it really clicks um but you have to like i think you mentioned this last week it's not about building the correct color combination it's really about building the correct synergies so like and that's the thing that i'm still kind of struggling with with draft is trying to like shape my deck to fit like these normal archetypes that i i normally will play in draft um And instead trying to find those synergies. So like today I was playing a black-white deck and um, it was hot fire. It was amazing. I was doing really, really well. And then I did another round and it was a – I tried to do a blue-green thing and just fell flat on my face. It is awful. Like awful, awful. You really have to have the
0: right cards for that to work.
1: Yeah. And so it's just like one of these things of like I'm still just not – I like it. But it's because it just hasn't fully—that puzzle piece just hasn't locked in yet. Like, it's just—it's weird. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I, I this is going to go down as, like, one of the most complicated, uh, you know, limited sets that I've ever played. Um, and I think it's in the top five for sure of, like, Magic's history. So, um it's going to be something that I think might be my white whale five years from now. I'm going to like, oh, look, they have a Marshall Machines draft. I'm going to go try it and still lose.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I will talk about scenario here in a second, but I want to piggyback on your draft talk because I, I would say this. I, I think of myself as a formerly decent limited player, though not very good anymore. Um, I've been on a massive heater with this like I'm somewhere in the mid diamonds and like when you draft once a night (laughs) like I I mean the record like I've just really done well with it and I think there's a couple things that I would point out with that first of all I think it is very cube like and that I really enjoy I mean dude I mentioned this last week the variety of archetypes even within color pairs is astonishing like that's what is confusing me <laughs> yeah and, and so like i had a of course i i fell obligated because i opened the is it gallarda the the six mana companion that everything has to be an even and i built my deck around that it was super and um like i played a lot of two and fours that i would necessarily usually play um but did well with that i've played a. Uh, like a just guy spells list that was a ton of fun. That was very convoke heavy. Um, I almost killed myself by drafting or drawing my entire deck on a turn. Like <laughs> it, it is like you can get to these really silly board states where you can do these exceptional things. Um, again, sometimes the blowout potential of some of the bombs is really, really insane. But I do think if you synergize, you can actually get the best of, certain like bomb cards you know I was in the spells deck and it's really common in the spells deck to play one or two of the counter spell that's like you can pay it play it for three or you can pay it for two and tap an untapped artifact right um and I basically countered multiple sunfalls through that draft and that was pretty (sighs) awesome which sunfall I would say is the best card you can actually open in the whole set I will say this, like, I know the the standard wisdom and all the data, like, there's a a website called 17lands that goes over all, like, the best commons and all these, like, if you're a heavy-duty drafter, I know the limited resources guys, like, talk about it a lot. Blue is easily the most winning best color. My personal experience has been, and I don't know if it's just because everybody's on blue so they leave black open, black has been the money for me. Like, I, even the black cards Mm -hmm. that don't seem good. Like, the two-mana... 1-1, one, one, enter the battlefield, make your opponent discard a card. Like, in this format where everything's about synergy and, like, sometimes if you can just snipe a card out of their hand, it's a huge win. The There's an invasion that's four mana that makes them discard two, which is also, mm-hmm. like, backbreaking for some... Because, like, uh, I don't know how many times I've cast that and then two just absurd cards hit the yard, right? If you can time it right, right? Um... I really, I really, really, really like this set, Cameron. I'm very worried that this is me just kind of projecting a little bit, that Watsi's going to get the wrong idea about this. Hmm. I.e., number one, we'll get companions in some capacity in a limited format again. Yeah, Yeah. I think they are the worst element of this draft format. We talked about that last week. Number two, I think the thing that's really nice about these walls of text is sometimes they are beatable. Like there's a million lines of text on Elish Norn, but sometimes you can just kill it with mm-hmm. uh, like your convo, kill a target creature spell. And I think that balance is really the fine line that this format really rests on. And if they fall into a trap of really peeling back the removal or the answers, but still making the cards this balmy, I think you'll end up with a format that is, Probably kind of unpleasant. Like it's a lot of racing to the top kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. But also, I I think Convoke is also something that maybe it's just this is a ha- thing happening to me. It seems to be on no one's radar that this is a thing that can happen to them. I don't know how many times, the, especially the Convoke combat trick, I have blown people out like massively with risks they did not need to take, like attacking in with their Elish Norn rather than turning it into a Saga or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's just like they, they feel like I'm tapped out, so they just go for it, and then I just kill them with a the pump spell. It's like, jeez, guy, you yeah. really didn't have to do that. So it, I guess I'm I, I'm continuing to go to it. It's almost like mint Oreos. Like I keep going back. I'm not convinced it's actually <laughs> that great or better than something else but I just I literally can't stop myself so maybe that's a good sign
1: <laughs> I like it it's a—it's uh, interesting to me that um, I, I, speaking to like is Wizards going to get the wrong message about this format uh, yeah the companions being one uh, it being too complex I worry that they might try to I don't know it's good to have the variety and limited um, I really wish they would just go back to classical core sets in the summer it's the summertime kids are off school like that's a great time to just get into magic but i'll really let like these fall and winter sets kind of stand on their own and be like this level of complicated um i don't know man like i i really do appreciate it i I like that like this is like the first time in a long time where i just i i can't just walk into it thinking I'm going to do fine. You know, mm-hmm. like I actually have to put in the reps, which um in this weird punishing
0: way has just been very rewarding. <laughs> so you're saying this format might be Sekiro Shadows Die Twice.
1: It could be. It could be the Sekiro of, of Magic, yes. Which, as
0: we've established, yeah. that is the highest compliment you can give to any game or form of media. If you compare it to Sekiro in any way, which again... Every month that passes, I, that game gets better in my memory. Like, it is yeah. actually the perfect video game at this stage. Like,
1: <laughs> Transcended.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's, it's really something else. Now, Standard, uh, I have played very little. I saw that there was a Just Guy list that um, was doing okay. Let me save you the trouble, Cameron. It's crap. Don't play it. <laughs> play Grixis. Play Esper. Play Mono White. Like, the Jeskai thing is cute or whatever. Like, yes, you're going to occasionally um, do okay with it. I'm sure people have 5-0'd with it. But just, like, it felt like it relied on my opponents messing up or having a poor draw. Like, if they did mm-hmm. what Grixis is actually supposed to do, or if they did what Mono White was supposed to do, I felt super disadvantaged. And then randomly I got paired against a Mono Blue deck, and just got dumpstered. Like it was so brutal because <laughs> I have all these stupid burn spells and they play the degen that's got like, you know, four toughness. I'm like, sweet. I cannot kill this thing at all with my yeah. abrade. <laughs> and then you're like, you know, you have to chain together two burn spells. Oh, they've got a spell pierce. Awesome. This is like so fun, right? Um, would not recommend that deck is my, my very, very short version. <laughs> <laughs> um but here's the problem Cameron and I just want to mention this a week from today is pro or is it a week or is it two weeks pro tour Minneapolis so mm-hmm. someone should correct me on this if I'm wrong but I, I believe I'm right this is the first high level standard tournament professional tournament for quite some time because our last pro tour which was last uh Last time was Pioneer in right. draft.
1: Pioneer, yeah. The
0: cool thing is we'll see March of the Machines draft by pros. I would say this. Arena within of itself doesn't really incentivize you being creative, especially with a wild card system. Like I think a lot of people play Mono White, play Grixis, play Esper Legends because that's what they know, and then they just, okay, how can I throw three wild cards into this and update it, right? Yeah. So there is an opportunity here for some pros to actually – uh innovate which we've definitely seen in the past but cameron here's what i'm going to ask you gun to your head what deck is winning this pro tour on the standard level i will take either the champion or the best overall performing deck
1: yeah um man i it, it i hate to say it it's gonna be either grixis or esper like that's where my money is right now um Unless in the next two weeks, like, some new hotness just pops up out of nowhere that's using all of the new March of the Machine stuff, and it's amazing. But I just—you just can't tell me that the Bloodtide Harvester, Corpse Appraiser, Shieldred, Fable the Mirror Breaker, like, those aren't going to be doing and performing the best. Um, I think they even have—like, they're interesting, as much as I— I'm really sick of them. I think they still have interesting moments and can com- uh, compete even against, like, the mirror matches and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I just, this is a, this is going to be an interesting time. What standard is going to look like in two weeks?
0: Yeah. Um, to your point, like, almost all the Grixis lists I've seen Either play no new cards or they'll play like one of the new Chandras, which I can't imagine is correct. Like I <laughs> like I've I've played with the new Chandra. I've had it in a draft before. Um it's okay. Like it's but we're talking about a six mana planeswalker in a Grixis deck that very badly doesn't need it. Like, I, I really feel like there are games in Grixis, your six mana finisher could be any six mana card that could fit in this deck in standard and it would be just fine right mm-hmm. because usually the way it plays out is your opponent is so spent dealing with your fable the mirror breakers reckoner Bainbu- bank busters sometimes you kill them with a blood tithe harvester because they've ran out of all of ways they have to expend themselves to kill everything else and then yeah. it's like turn 16 you're like hey here's my two mana three two with a blood vial um you didn't do anything about that and then they just draw three lands and die. Right? Like that happens all the time with Grixis. That being said, call my shot. I'm going to go with mono white Cameron.
1: It's got some game. Uh, it loves blowing up enchantments. I know that.
0: <laughs> I feel like that is the deck that can is positioned to get I for Legends is the one in my brain that is like on the outside looking in because it's not a fable of the mirror breaker deck and it doesn't it's not as a it's not like got this established consistency that mono-white does. I feel like if I were going to play at this pro event, which, you know, that opinion matters a lot in this context, Cameron, um, mono-white would be... I, I would be... It would appeal to me on the consistency level, right? Yeah. Where Grixis, yeah. I would say there are times, rarely, but it does happen, where you can lose to the mana, right? Like, you just need to play Invoke Despair, and you never hit that fourth black, right? Like, mm-hmm. that can happen. So, anyway... I'm also kind of excited to just sit and watch it. Um I hope they remedy the ridiculous camera angle thing that they tried last time and never ever 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 yeah. do that again.
1: So here's another question. Um like it's been so long. I don't even know historically do they ban a card or two before the pro tour?
0: It would be too it would be popular? too soon now. I mean it would happen um it's happened, but normally not. Usually, the pro tour is like in this window, like a few weeks after the set releases. And then it's like a promotional thing that says, hey, look at these decks that these pros have kind of set the tone for. And then those would be the decks that you would see play at the SCG Live Opens and all, you know, those came, the Grand Prix until the next pro event. In fact, the only deck that I can think of that really came out of the Star City Game Circus to win a Pro Tour was, do you remember Wolf Run Ramp? Were you around for that? So it was like a primeval Titan deck that instead of getting Valakit, it would get this like Wolf Run, which is like give us a creature Mm -hmm. plus X plus zero and trample. And I'm fairly certain, someone would have to talk me down from this, but I'm fairly certain that won an SCG event before it won a Pro Tour. But most of the time, those those things are swapped, right? The Pro Tour kind of creates the decks and then they kind of trickle down from there right mm-hmm. and in fact i think they used to be called pro tour whatever the set was so it would be like pro tour new phyrexia or whatever okay um maybe they did that for a year or two i don't know i can't keep track of all this stuff i'm just glad it's back so hey cameron we've got some other random pieces of media that we've been in- engaging with so um we're going to come back and talk about those things All right, Cameron, I think something's wrong with my brain, because I saw that you wrote Beef here, and I instantly went to the comic book Chew. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> but that's not this. Uh, so what is Beef?
1: Beef is a new series, newish series, that's on Netflix. Um, it's this really interesting show that follows two characters, who, like, in a Home Depot-type parking lot, somebody accidentally almost backed into somebody else. Person flips the bird to the one person and just drives off, and this other person just snaps. And it just starts, like, a high-speed chase in, like, a residential neighborhood, and it's, like, ridiculous and Mm over-the-top in a very funny way. Um... And the rest of the series, this entire episode, uh, season, is about them just getting payback from each other. So, like one's like he's this handyman, and like the first episode, he shows up to the this woman's house who the one who flipped him the bird, and does something to her bathroom that's hilarious. Following episode, she does something to his truck, and it's just a back forth of like escalating uh, things. It's great. So what I love about this is uh, it's an all Asian cast uh, starring Steven Yeun, who is in uh, like Minari and a couple of other things. And then Ali Wong, um, David Cho, who was like in like a – I can't really – he's been in a couple like Netflix documentaries about food that I just absolutely love. He's a very hilarious comedian. But like I said, it, it it's just – a diverse cast, and it's just hilarious because it's so ridiculous that two people would just snap and have like this arms race to just get back at each other, and they have like all these like you know personal relationship drama and family dynamics that happen uh, where their lives kind of suck in different ways, and they somehow feed off of this and get like real satisfaction from it. Uh, it's hilarious. Like I real, it's like a dark comedy. But I, I'm very much enjoying it. We're on C, episode four right now, and it's um, I, I, I would recommend it. I, I just I think it's very funny.
0: Uh, I think Ali Wong's very funny, so I will probably check this out. Um, it's definitely worth. She was mind. in Paper yeah. Girls, the show that got canceled that I liked, that was based on a comic book that I liked. Um, I have two things to talk about that I've seen here, Cameron. What is more of a case study than um, an actual recommendation? What do you know about the Citadel TV show? Nothing. Okay, so (laughs) zero context is fine. Amazon has been pushing this like crazy, right? Is it Amazon or Apple TV? I believe it's Amazon. Whatever, it's a streamer. And it's this super high production, Russo Brothers-associated... Um, spy, like, and spy in more of the Bond, like Pierce Brosnan Bond kind of world. Kingsman, you see what I'm saying? It's more of a mm-hmm, campy mm-hmm. spy kind of thing. And what it is, in terms of a case study, because I watched one episode, and then I like looked up the reviews, it's a case study on why we've gotten into this weird place where something that is mediocre is somehow worse than something that is the worst and terrible. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Like, this is a totally competent, well-made, kind of bland spy show. I would say, like, the weird thing about it is the violence is kind of strangely calibrated, much more like a comic book in that it's very cartoony or whatever, but when they shoot someone, like, blood sprays and stuff, and you're like, whoa, you know? Um, Okay, kind of like and again you see that in comic books a lot a lot of times where gruesome violence can be played for comedy um creature umbrella academy um where in tv it tends to be like as soon as you are not hyper real like hbo hyper real really you know i don't need to see the brains on the wall kind of stuff right and that has this a little bit so it is like a weird, like your brain goes, wait, that's not this kind of show. <laughs> like that'll happen. <laughs> um, but the fight sequences are well choreographed. It's kind of fun. There's a little bit of a mystery, but it is a very, very, very boilerplate like spy show. Um, but when I w- went to read the reviews about it afterwards, um, people were like, you know, it had a troubled production and it went from 10 episodes to six and, like, you know, all these things. And then, Cameron, this is where I get irritated. Then the article I read mentioned reshoots as a negative. That stuff makes me furious, Cameron. Reshoots do not mean something is bad. It means that something needed to be reshot. <laughs> like, stop it, guys. Like, Very good. <laughs> yeah, like, I, Sometimes it could be a stupid continuity error. That it's cheaper for them to fix in a reshoot than it is in a... C- you know what I mean? Like, this is a very typical thing. Anyway, but I just feel like Fast and the Furious is a great example of something that lives in this world. And I've enjoyed the dumb fun of a Fast and Furious. But somehow, it's so stupid that somehow, like, it gets more respect than something like this. Um, sure, yeah. And they yeah. live kind of in this same plane for me of, like, you should... Si- like, this is... Very attractive people in a very bland spy show that you can have an enjoyable time with for 30 minutes. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's cool. But to be like, man, I heard this thing has reshoots, and I thought it was kind of boring, (laughs) so this is the worst show ever. It's just a little bit like, I don't know, it wears thin on me. However. Totally get it. I want to hit you with this. What do you know about Star Wars Visions, Cameron?
1: Do you know Have you ever heard of it before? Uh, I have coworkers who absolutely
0: love it. Um, It's on my list of shame. Haven't seen it. So I didn't even know that this was a thing. Like, I had never really even heard about it. Um, There was, like, a trailer for season two. um, And I watched the trailer, and I saw that, like, the Wallace and Cromet guys are doing one of the shorts. But basically, it is a... To say it's like the Animatrix, I think, is a little bit loaded. But it is mm-hmm. a anthology of different animation studios doing different things. I've watched three of them, two of them, and some of the best Star Wars content I've ever seen. Like the first episode especially is a wandering samurai story in Star Wars. That's right. And So I have seen that episode. I need to... I forgot. Yeah. And like in that, because that's like a 14 minute thing, dude. And there is more joy and love of Star Wars in that 14 minutes than there are in a lot of things. Right. And I'll be the first to say, like, we kind of need to be okay with Star Wars being a little variable. Right. Like like Mandalorian is not always going to be great. It's going to have these ebbs and flows, or maybe one big ebb and one big flow, (laughs) like depending on how you want to look at it. (laughs) Right. I think, I know this is a shocking opinion. I think about three or four of the episodes of Boba Fett were very worthwhile, and then the rest were not. Like, I think that show could have just been a lot better if they would have just gone and said, Hey, let's make this a lot shorter. We've had this talk about Obi Wan. Like, Mm -hmm. Obi Wan felt like two hours stretched into nine, right? Like, and that's all cool, but this. There's just a a, a conciseness to it. And there was a comic book anthology that Dark Horse used to do with Star Wars that was just like this, where comic book creators could do I want to say it was called Star Wars Visions too, but I'll have to get back to you. Um, and they did the same kind of thing where they would just say, Okay, comic book creator, you get four pages to say to tell a Star Wars story that you want to tell. And I I just really like it was awesome to watch these and watch these with my son. And I felt like he got Star Wars in a way that he hadn't really ever before.
1: Mm, That's Like, to
0: think that it's cool and not this, like... Because the Mandalorian stuff, he just kind of gets lost in the whatever lore. I think we could have a different talk about, like, what is the rationale behind looping in so much lore into Mandalorian? Because I think it's probably not a good decision but here we are sure yeah um have you watched any of the newest season of mandalorian
1: i haven't even watched it yet it's kind of like on a disney plus hiatus i'll wait for probably season two of of andor
0: (laughs) uh fair well here's the thing is it also kind of like doesn't hold up once you get into andor like it's just like ooh, this just doesn't have the depth but i want to just say this
1: it's fine though
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i with mandalorian seems like there's a little bit of a desire to cover slash figure out some of the continuity issues that were in the newest trilogy, i.e. how the new Republic failed, which was never really well explained. Sure. Um, Yeah. And I think it really doesn't fit in the context of what the Mandalorian is. And so I think it's a, Hey, we got to loop this into the larger world and it just, Whenever you were telling Hmm. the, you know, a spaghetti Western at first, it really kind of feels a little bit half-baked, right?
1: Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And also,
0: look, you guys deleted a bunch of, like, the old Timothy Zahn novels out of the continuity. (laughs) Here's a suggestion. Just take Rise of the Skywalker. Delete. Right? And I'm going to say this not my least favorite Star Wars movie by a long shot. Like I actually think there's some redeeming qualities of that show, mostly in the performances, but whatever. Uh, But on a very like basic plot level, Mm, the Palpatine mm -hmm. coming back thing, I don't know is, is you can ever fully explain. So stop trying. Just go, Hey, whoops, fever dream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was all a dream. Yeah. Yeah. New heart hotel. He wakes up. It's all wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
0: By the way, do you know, sorry, this is just like constantly off topic. Do you know they did that in a Twilight movie? They had this big epic battle scene and then they're like, wait, it was just a dream.
1: Oh. I, I saw that in the theater and it was like the uh, probably the best 90 minutes of my life. I, I was laughing so hard. I was crying. It was so good. So
0: bad. So good. So it must be better than Citadel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway cameron what i'm saying is i've committed to as, so- as soon as someone says reshoots is a negative i'm out i'm not l- listening to anymore. completely yeah yeah i mean you understand what i'm saying uh, right like this is not a crazy thought that i have here
1: no i mean uh, I'm, name any movie yeah. <laughs> that, that has a multi-million dollar budget chances are there's at least one or two reshoots.
0: yeah hey you know what else had a trouble production star wars worked out um, oh. <laughs> yeah. all right Cameron if someone would like to get a hold of you and go over how they can get you for their reshoots where could they find you
1: it's all on twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy
0: and I'm at Curtis now our official show feed is at spike MPG. we'll check you guys next week